This morning, we're going to study a topic about priorities and perspective. And we'll be focusing on priorities, but I feel it's very important to talk about these things together because you can't really have one without the other. You can't have the proper priorities if you don't have the proper perspective. And I think you will see that in our study going forward. Now, we're going to use Maslow's hierarchy of needs and compare uh, to compare and contrast our, our priorities and what they actually are, what they, we think that they should be. This was a tool developed by Mr. Maslow to understand the, the human psyche. It's a psychological and sociological tool to understand human behavior and human needs and how to cater to those needs. I learned about this in marketing and the application is, is pretty straightforward. We understand what people need so that we know how to sell them something, either a product or a service. Now in nursing, they, they use this as well for a little bit more wholesome reason, and that is to take care of their patients, to take care of their, their physical needs. If they, they know if they need healing or rest or whatever the case may be, they use this to understand what that person needs, what their patient needs at that time. So we're going to use this, this tool to understand our needs and to put things in the proper priorities. So according to this chart, our base, most fundamental, biggest need, our number one priority is that of the physiological needs. And that's like air, water, food, shelter, basic necessities of life. Then going up from there, it goes to the safety needs of personal security, employment, and resources. Uh, then we transition to more what we'll call the emotional needs of love and belonging, esteem, and then the pinnacle of self-actualization. And, and this is what Maslow would say is, what, is how humanity knows they are human. It's once you reach that point, once you've taken care of everything else, you have that self-actualization, you are the best version of yourself that you can be. And so we're going to examine this chart and compare it to the Bible and find out if, with the right perspective, if these are actually what our priorities need to be. So first we're going to take a look at the physical needs, the base necessities that we talked about. I'll read in Luke chapter 12, verse 22 through 31. And he said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens, they neither sow nor reap, they have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. How much more valuable are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour of span of life? If then you are not able to do so small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried, for all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. So we see here Jesus speaking. He seems to disagree with, with Maslow where Maslow would say our number one priority is, is our physical needs, Jesus seems to be telling us that we don't need to be worrying about that at all. Not only should it not be our top priority, 
but he almost sounds like here that it shouldn't even be on the list. And we'll kind of examine that thought a little bit more going forward. He, he seems to say that this is completely inconsequential, that we don't have to worry about the physical at all. But if we read in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 6 through 15, it says, Now we command you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away from any brother who is walking in idleness, and not in according with the tradition that you receive from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us, because we are not idle when we are with you, nor do we anyone's bread without paying for it. But with toil and labor we work night and day that we might have, that we're not, sorry, night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you. It was not because we do not have the, that right, but to give you in ourselves an example to imitate. For even when we were with you, we would give you this command, if anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. For we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busy bodies. Now such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. As for you, brothers, do not grow weary in doing good. If anyone does not obey what we say in this letter, take note of that person and have nothing to do with him, that he may be ashamed. Do not regard him as an enemy, but warn him as a brother." So this verse seems to paint a slightly different picture than that that we saw uh, Jesus speaking earlier. Paul here is saying that we do need to work. We do need to provide for ourselves a living. We need to get a job. We need to provide for our families. We need, we need food, and we can't rely on the, the goodness of others in order to provide for ourselves. So there seems to be a little bit of a contradiction. Jesus is saying, don't worry about it at all. Those things will be added unto you. But Paul is saying, work hard and provide a living and take care of yourselves. But I think we see the merger of that in 2 Corinthians 9, verses 6 through 15. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has assigned in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he is distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures, endures forever. He who supplies, who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution to them and for all others, while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Thanks be to God for this inexpressible gift. So ultimately, what we're seeing laid out in the scriptures is we have to have something in order to give something. Our priority stated here is to be generous, to give freely, and to take care of other people's physical needs. And so working backwards, we have to have a job. You know, We have to do something to provide for ourselves because if we don't have anything, we can't give anything. And that's ultimately the priority. It's giving to others. It's being generous. And it's, it's taking care of one another's physical needs. So while 
that Jesus is saying, you know, it's, it's not important at all, what he's really saying is it's not our number one priority. We need to be focusing on other things, being the type of people God wants us to be, and when we do that, as he said, these things will be added unto you. They just, it, it needs to happen. We need to provide a living for ourselves so that we can provide for others. And if we have that attitude, if we all have that attitude uh, of providing for others, then we will all be taken care of. Once we provide for ourselves, we then have the freedom and the ability to take care of the needs of others. So ultimately, that is our priority. Kind of flipping that chart that we looked at on its head, it's not our physical needs should be the, the number one priority, but it needs to be our last priority. And even before the, uh, our own needs, we need to be looking to the needs of others. And Luke chapter 12, verse 32 to 34, it says, Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in heaven that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no monster shores, for where your treasures, there will your heart be also. And this is really where the perspective uh, component of our study comes into play. Our priorities are only put in the right place when we have the proper perspective. Now, taking care of our own physical needs makes sense as a number one priority from a short-term earthly perspective. But where our treasure is or our priorities are, that's where our heart will be. And so if we have the, the perspective of eternal life, if we have a long-term perspective, then it helps us really prioritize and put things into their proper place, where our physical needs need to, be, need to come second, where we're taking care of the needs of others. And we'll look at some more ways that we need to encourage each other as we go forward. Now next on, on Maslow's list, we'll uh, call the emotional needs. And on his list, the next one above our physical needs is that of love and acceptance. And here, I would actually agree with Maslow, at least in the ranking, where it falls. But I think we'll find in the Bible that it's for a different reason than maybe Maslow intended. In John chapter 13, verse 34 to 35, it says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love one another, for one another. And then Romans chapter 12, verse 9 through 10. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing love. Now, where Maslow would say that love and acceptance is important because we need to feel loved and we need to feel accepted, the Bible shows us that it is an outward love that is the priority. It's not being loved, but it's showing love to one another. It's more of a, a social love rather than a personal love. And one of my favorite verses is there in Romans chapter 12, where it says, outdo one another in showing honor. It almost turns love into a competition. And maybe that shows my competitive nature. But I love the idea of being competitive with love. And now that's not for any, any pride reason or, or look at me to see how much I'm loving everybody. But we as Christians, as a body of Christ, we can't be outdone in loving outwardly. 
We can't be outdone in the world in the, in, when it comes to love. We should be loving our neighbor. And that's not just the people in this room. That's not just the people next door. That is the world. And that's our mission. That's what we've been called to do, is to love the world as Christ loved the world. And we need to do what we can to show that love. And we can't be outdone in that respect. And so while love is very important and should be on our priority list, and it's right where it belongs when compared to Maslow, right there in the middle, but for a different reason. We've already turned the triangle upside down, and now we're turning it inside out because it's an outward love, not an inward personal love. And the same can be said for the next uh, priority that we're going to talk about, and that's the priority or the need for esteem. And in Philippians chapter 2, verses 2 through 11, it says, So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort of love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who thought he, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, if anybody had the right to have a high self-esteem, it would be Jesus Christ. He is the Son of God. He is God. But his example for us is not to have uh, uh, the priority of, of a self-esteem. His example for us is to make it the priority of being humble and esteeming others. He didn't count equality with God a thing to be grasped. He didn't hold on to the fact that he was the son of God. He didn't lord that over everybody. He was humble. I mean, he washed his disciples' feet. He showed his humility in, in many different ways. And the best example of that, dying, even dying on the cross. One of the most humiliating and painful forms of death ever invented by humans. So we see here that yes, esteem is important and esteem should be a priority that's on our list, but not for the same reasons that the world sees. Not the same reason that the world would say it's important. The world says that that I need to to have a high self-esteem, that I need to think that I'm I'm the best version of myself that I can be. But the example of Jesus is completely the opposite. It's an outward flowing of esteem. It's esteeming others and bearing each other's burdens. In Galatians 6, chapter 2 through 10, it says, Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For everyone thinks he is something when he is nothing. He deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows in the spirit will of the spirit reap eternal life. 
And let us not grow weary of doing good, or in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who have the household of faith. So we see here again this, this outward flowing of esteem, this building up of, of each other that's commanded here. Because when we build each other up, and that's our priority, if we all have that mindset, then eventually we will be built up ourselves. Because we have that, uh, uh, that priority of an outward showing of esteem, building each other up, bearing each other's burdens, and sowing that seed of humility, and sowing that seed of uh, helping our brothers and sisters in Christ. And as it says there, that should be you know, our priority, within our priority, is taking care of our brothers and sisters in Christ. But they're not our only neighbors. They're not the only, our only responsibility. We also need to be showing that respect and showing that love uh, to the world as a whole. And now we come to the, the last priority, the, the pinnacle of, of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, and that's of self-actualization. And self-actualization is being the best version of yourself that you can be. And I believe that this is really the most dangerous uh, step on this chart. Because we see this in our culture today in many different aspects of people saying, I just got to be me. Or I want to do things my way. Or I have to be true to myself. Or I was born this way. Or a thousand more excuses to hide, uh, to hide their own sin. Because the world takes this to heart. They, says, they say, I need to be me. I need to be the best version of myself that I can be. But in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 23 to 24, it says, To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put, in, put on the new self, created after the likeness of God, and true righteousness and holiness. And then picking up later in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 through 2. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us, and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Here we see what our proper perspective really needs to be when it comes to what we need to be. It's not the best version of ourselves, because the best version of ourselves is imperfect. It's inherently flawed. The best we can do, I mean, our righteousness is but filthy rags to God. It's not good enough to just be the best version of yourself that you can be. Because we are called to be imitators of Christ. We are called to be like Christ. When we're baptized, we kill that old self and we put on the new man. That's not the best version of ourselves that we can be. It's imitating Christ. It's being as Christ-like as possible. So it's not a, a self-actualization, it's a spiritual actualization. It's being the best, it's being the type of person that God has called you to be. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21, it says, For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you might follow in his steps. 1 John 2, 6. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. And then 1 Corinthians chapter 11, I think, is the key to this whole point. Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. So ultimately, our charge, and what I commend to you today, is to be like Christ. And the reason, the biggest reason we need to be like Christ, 
is so that we can be that example to others. You know, it's, it's kind of a, a cliche at this point to say that you may be the only Bible that someone else reads. And that's a cliche for a reason. Because not everyone will pick up a Bible. Not everyone will come into a church service. But if we show Christ in our lives, then we can have that influence with others. If we have that spiritual actualization and we're being as Christ-like as possible, we can lead others to Christ. Because that is ultimately our mission and that is our goal. So we're going to look one more time at, at this chart. And I, I hope that you see that we've kind of turned it on his head. Where Maslow would say that our physical needs should be our number one priority, that should really be our last priority. And where love and esteem are in their proper places in the middle, it's not an inward love, it's not a self-esteem, but it's an outward love. And it's a, a social esteem where we're building up each other and bearing each other's burdens and loving each other. And then finally, our number one priority really should be that spiritual actualization where we are being not the best versions of ourselves that we can be, but being what God has called us to be. So what I've called the biblical hierarchy of, of priorities is that spiritual actualization, being Christ-like. Then we have the social priorities of bearing each other's burdens, that social love, that social esteem, and taking care of the physical needs of others. And then finally, we do need to take care of ourselves, take care of our personal uh, physical needs, but only to the, the end of taking care of other people and leading others to Christ. So in conclusion, I want to read cha uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Going back to what Jesus was talking about at the very beginning of our study. While we don't need to prioritize our physical needs and what we're going to wear and what we're going to eat. When we take care of those other steps, when we're loving each other, when we're bearing each other's burdens, when we're being Christ-like and living the way God wants us to live, these things will be added unto us. These things will fall into place if we have our priorities uh, in check and that we're looking at them from the proper perspective. And then finally, I like to end every lesson with Ecclesiastes 12:13. The end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of men. I love this verse because it really does boil it down to just a couple sentences. What are we supposed to be doing on this earth? What are our priorities? Fear God, keep his commandments. And his commandments are to be like him and to be like his son. Uh, these are all my thoughts for this morning. I really appreciate your attention. And if the, the church can assist you in any way, whether that's starting your walk and becoming Christ-like through baptism, or if you just need the prayers of the church for another matter, please come forward and sit in the front row while we're sending the song that's been selected.